fun, and I'll laugh at you. But anyway, um, God is so good in what He's doing, and uh, I'm so thankful for what's going to be happening in the coming weeks. And uh, I mean, something, something's stirring. You guys feel that? You feel something stirring? So uh, get ready. God's going to do something. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. And uh, we're on a series called Margin, and uh, we've been talking about margin with our time, and now we're on margin with our finances. And margin is is that you're going to have more than enough. You're going to have an overflow, right? You're going to have extra to be able to do what God tells you to do, um, right? To give how God tells you to give, and uh, and so we want to see that in our life. And today we're going to learn a principle that if um, if we live by it, it will inform us on how we handle every dollar that comes into your life. And, uh, and so it's so important. And you know, I've, I've asked the question, why is money a big deal with everybody? Besides, you know, needing it to, to live, you know, needing it to pay bills and everything. But when you talk about money, whether you're talking about giving, when you talk about giving, people's defenses go up and, you know, and, and you know, hold on, hold on here. Or when you talk about budget, how many of your, your spouses have ever asked your spouse, what, um, uh, what did, why did you spend that money for? And then there's a defense go, mechanism that goes up. And I earned it. I made it. You know, whatever. You know, we, we've all done that. Money has become a problem in our life. And the Bible says that money is not evil. The Bible says the love of money is evil. The m- love of money can, can hurt you. And see, money more than anything else in life has the potential to become for us a God substitute. Money more than anything else in our lives can, can become a God substitute. And we have to watch out for it. So I want you to follow along with us. Follow along in your bulletin. There's some notes. You can get our app um, and follow along. There's some uh, notes section there that you can follow along. And I love the notes section on our app, by the way, because you can, uh, if you miss what I, I say... If you're like me, sometimes I'm ADD and I'm thinking about pizza, and, um, and, and then I have to ask, what did he say? And, uh, but it reveals the answer for you. But it also, you get to email it to yourself, all the notes, and, uh, and keep it in a file. So it's actually a great way to do that in our app if you want to do. I know a lot of people like to write with their hands. Some people forgot how to write with their hands anymore, so that app is for you and me. Anyway, um, so we don't want money to become a God substitute, and there are many of us uh, many people all around the world, but many of us in here that have, have done something like that. We look at money to try to give us the things that only really God can give us. So we look to money and possessions uh, to give us our security, right? Or our um, satisfaction or, or our significance. And you know, if you live your life like that, you'll never really gain those things. Only God can give that. And so a lot of times we find ourselves out, especially in in America, Amer- this is really, in, especially in the Western world, but America especially, we're living our lives, not lives, not for God, but we, all, we end up living our lives for money, how we can get more money, how we can, how we can spend more money, and, and we beca- it becomes an idol that becomes sitting right on the throne of our heart, and a lot of times we don't even know it's there. We come to church, we worship Jesus, but money is really what we think about the most, in our life. And Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 24. We talked about it a little bit last week. Is that he says you cannot serve both God and mammon. God and money or God and stuff. You've got to pick one. And so if you, if you have your Bibles, you're in Matthew 25. And we're going to go into in verse 14 here in just a moment. And, and we're going to start unpacking one of the longest parables that Jesus talks about. And it's called the parables of the talents. 
And if you if you and we're going to read out the NIV, the NIV actually calls it the parable of the gold bags. And this parable has profound effects on my life. This is this is how I, I, I my philosophy of ministry has come from this parable. The vision of our church has come from this parable, and and in a lot of ways, and how we make money is guided by uh, this parable. And so it's worth digging into. In verse fourteen, it begins with a word, and it says again. And uh, you got to ask yourself a question. When it, when it begins that way, what does he mean by again? Again, what? What is Jesus talking about? So Jesus here is in a, in a sequence, in the middle of a sequence of uh, lessons that he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about how you can trust the Lord when every other thing you've put your trust in has failed you, has let you down. And, and then he says, and, the, and he's talking about how, how, how in a moment, in a, in a suddenly, it could happen to you, whether you die or he returns again, that you'll find yourself standing before God. And when you stand before God, you've got to give an account for what you believed and how you lived your life by what you believed. You're going to give an account for what has been given to you and how you handle this situation here on this earth. And listen, you're not going to be here forever. Did you know that? You all are going to die. You young ones, listen up. It may be a long time, and hopefully it is, but you're going to die one day. And you know what? Death to the believer is a good thing. It is not a sad thing to die. You get to go to heaven where there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no pain, there's no sorrow, there's no grief, there's only joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? It is a good thing. We talk about how great heaven is, but no one wants to go there. Heaven's a great place. Now, you don't want to die before your time, right? You want to live your life and, and fulfill the promises and the purposes of God for your life. But when you die, it's a good thing. And, and, but you're going to do that. And so we need to make sure that when we do that, that we're judging ourselves here on this earth. It's better for you to judge yourself here than to be judged there. Okay? And we don't want to be judged unfaithful. We want to hear that, welcome, my good and faithful servant. Right? Because one day soon, you're going to find yourself standing before the Lord. And here it is again, he says in verse 14. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. So we see here that this is a very wealthy man and he represents God in the story. And, and, God, and, he, and this master is calling his servants together, and they represent us. And he's leaving for a long journey. They don't know how long he's going to be gone. And, uh, but until he returns, he entrusts his resources to his servants. And in, in the part of the verse, where the, the, the word that's very important, that if you don't get this word in this verse, this one word, you're going to miss everything about this parable. And you've got to get this one word. And the one word is his. Everybody say his. The master entrusted his wealth to them. And the word his, of course, tells us of who owns it. It gives us ownership. Who's the owner? It establishes the possession of ownership. 
And who does all this belong to? It belongs to the master. It belongs to God. It doesn't belong to the servants. It belongs to the master. It's the master's wealth. It's, it's him entrusting to his servants. The master in the story entrusts his wealth and distributes his wealth. Now the point I hope you understand today, because it's very key in the scripture, and it's the, this parable is all about this. It's called the theology of ownership. And if we don't understand the theology of ownership, we're not going to get anything about stewardship in the Bible. We're not going to understand anything about uh, what it tells us in the Bible about how to handle money. So the biblical owner of ownership theology comes down to these, one, these few words. It all belongs to God. Amen? It all belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Now, when we approach money and possessions with this understanding that it all belongs to God, then suddenly it's, it's a lot easier to overcome greed. It's a lot easier to overcome materialistic lust or the monster of more. It's a lot easier to handle money because we realize that I'm not the owner of it. I'm not the one who actually even provides it. God is. He is an owner of it. And he found you worthy to handle it. And we need to learn to be faithful with it. And so all the heroes in the Bible understood this ownership theology. They understood that it all belongs to God. Moses said this in Deuteronomy 10, 14. He says, look at the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it belongs to the Lord your God. David, who wrote most of the Psalms, said in Psalms 24, he says, The earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. When Job was going through his hard time, Job 41.11, it says, No one has ever given me anything that I must pay back. This is God talking. Because everything under the sky belongs to me. Haggai said this in, in two, uh, chapter 2, verse 8. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. In fact, Psalms 50 kind of is where, like God's kind of playing with us here in verse 12. He says, if I were hungry, I would not tell, tell you, for the world is mine, and in, in all, uh, all this is in it is mine. Everything that is in the world is his. In verse 10 it says, For every animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. The gold is his, the cattle is his, and the hills themselves are his. Everybody is his. Everything belongs to God. And we've got to get this perspective. We've got to get this understanding of that when we're dealing with finances. Because if we don't, we think it's mine. We think it's ours. And that means if you think it's yours, then you have control of it. And you know when you have control of something... Look at your life. You screwed it up, right? I've screwed it up, right? And come on, say amen. amen. You don't need control. It is not yours. And it's God's because everything in it belongs to God. And life works so much better that way when we understand that because we realize, if God, if, if I'm not in control, then, then you are. And I can trust you. And you give me wisdom on how to handle this. You give me wisdom on how to accomplish it. And I can trust you with everything. Because it all belongs to him. We've got to get that. Now here's four things I want to give you through the story in Matthew 25. And uh, we're going to continue this next week. But the first thing I want you to get, the first principle, is that if I truly believe that this is God's money, then I will be grateful that he has entrusted so much to me. I'm going to be grateful. 
If everything belongs to God, then you are blessed that he gave you something. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 15. I love this out of the NLT. It says, We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. You know why you can't take it with, with you? It's not yours. It's God's. He entrusts the riches to you. You say, Sean, I'm not rich. Listen, you make more than most people in the world. You work at McDonald's. You make more than most people in the world. Listen, he entrusts you with riches. And you, you came into this world with nothing, and you're going to leave this world with nothing. No matter how financially blessed you are, no matter how long you live, when you go into the grave and you go to heaven, it's nothing. You have nothing that's yours. It is all his. He entrusts you with it. It's just yours for a while. God temporarily trusts you with, with his resources. And some, some people say, well, 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 it's mine because I've earned it. I've worked for it. Listen, who formed you in your mother's womb? Who, who, who gave you the intelligence that you have? Who gave you the physical strength that you in, in, enjoy? Who, 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 who allowed you to be born in the family that you were born in the greatest country in the earth? God did. You own nothing. And you did nothing uh, of this. It is God. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. You're not some evolutionary elite person that you developed this and you did everything. You did nothing. You might have been faithful. Faithful is something. Maybe you were faithful with the gifts. But he's the one who gave you those gifts. He's the one who gave you all that. And if we have that perspective on that, that God owns everything. So whatever he puts in my hands, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be thankful for it. No matter what. And now it gets hard, though. Because we see he puts in other people's hands more than what I've got. You know, it's hard to be grateful. Right? When you start comparing yourself to what other people have. I mean, the story, one guy got five bags of gold, one got two, and one got one. The one still got a bag of gold, and if his mind is right, he's got to be grateful for that. Now, I want you to understand that. One of the things that helps me with ownership theology is try to acknowledge, no matter what I have or don't have, is to be grateful for what God has given me. Is to be thankful and not to compare myself with other people. So you know when, when I, I start to confess gratefulness, you've got to let it out of your mouth. You've got to start thanking God for it. Like when you get out of God's bed in the morning and get into God's shower and uh, take a shower and you get out of God's shower and you put on God's clothes and you go down to God's kitchen and you eat God's uh, frosted flakes in the morning and you drink God's coffee and then you get into God's truck, amen, and you go to God's work and you get God's paycheck and then, and then you come home to God's house and you turn on God's TV and you watch the chief, which is God's team, Amen. Amen? Then you be thankful, right? Amen? Thankfulness. That we're thankful for whatever God's given us. You've got to verbally acknowledge that. No matter what you have, you realize that God has given it to you. And if He's given you a little, and you be faithful to the little, He can give you more anytime He wants. 
about being faithful in that. Instead of focusing on what you don't have, you appreciate what you do have. It all belongs to God anyway. You walk by that rich man's house and says, that's not yours. <laughs> but thank you, Jesus, that he gave it to you. Amen? It's God's. It all belongs to God. And we need to be grateful. And that leads me to the second point. If, God, if I believe it's God's money, I'm going to be grateful. But I'm also going to be content with how he allocates his resources to me. Here's what I know from the story. Listen to this. Jesus thinks it's normal for some to have more than others. I don't, don't look at me like that. I don't like it either. But Jesus thinks it's normal for some to have more than others at any given time because of the different stages of life they're in. Let me tell you something. God is not a socialist. But he's not a conservative either. He's not a Democrat. He's not a libertarian. He's not one of those other ones we don't even know about. <laughs> he's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. That's his affiliation. And he loves people, and he wants you to take care of the poor. He wants you to help the disenfranchised. Come on. And sometimes he gives more money to people than you. But remember, we're grateful and we're content with what he's given us. Man, I don't know about those guys, you know, those, those five bag, two bag, one bag guys, you know, or people. You know, each one of those bags in today's money is worth $400,000. You get one bag, you're going to be grateful, aren't you? But I, I don't know what life that these guys and how God did this when it doesn't really tell the story, but... Um, but maybe the past dictated what they got because they were faithful. So what they had in their past, God said, look, well, you can, in this stage of life, you can handle this. You can handle five bags. In this stage of life, you can have two bags. In this stage of life, you can handle one. I'm wondering if that guy who handled one, maybe he just fouled up everything. Maybe he didn't, he didn't budget. He got in debt. He, didn't, he wasn't generous and everything, maybe he didn't even deserve one bag. I'm thinking that's what it was. But God gave him an undeserved opportunity. Do you know that you and I get undeserved opportunities by God every single week to be faithful? He's always given you opportunity to get out of what you got yourself into. Right? And listen, I'm not preaching just to you. I preach to me. You just ask my wife. I haven't always been faithful. I am so thankful that what I have now wasn't given to me in, in 22 years ago. Because I couldn't handle it. God knows what we can handle. And if he would have gave me what I have now, I probably would have fouled it all up. Messed it up. So you wonder what's happening with these guys. You got this five-bag servant. servant. Maybe... He, this person did FPU, Financial Peace University. They were consistently generous. They were debt-free. They were paying attention to wherever all their money went. They, were, they budget, and that's why the master gave them five bags. I don't know what it was, but he found them more faithful. And as if you look at the story, and we'll talk about this more next week, they were. 
And the tendency is to think, well, it doesn't seem quite right. It doesn't seem fair. You know, people shouldn't get that. And maybe these people were looking at it that the one bad guy says, man, I should have got two bags. And the two bad guys maybe said, I should, have got, I should have got five bags. Maybe the five bad guy says, don't mess with those idiots. I should have had eight guys. You know, I would have done a lot better. But, but we've got to be content with what God is giving us right now. Because maybe what God is giving us right now is all we can handle. And you may not like that, and I may not like that. You know, Newsweek did a, did a story about um, what will make you happy, what will make you satisfied. So they, 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 uh, they studied t- people who made $25,000 and asked them this question, and, er- and they all averaged out what their answers was, if I had $54,000, I would be happy. They went to the pe- people who were made $100,000 a year, and they said, said, what would make you satisfied and happy? And, then, and all of it, what their answers were, averaged out to $192,000. You know what they, came, they concluded with the study? That the only way you will be happy if you have twice as much as you have now. And that's a moving target, so you will never be happy. You need to be content and understand that there's certain stages of your life that you may not be able to manage everything. Be content. That's, that's a part of being faithful. Being, having gratitude. See, and if you believe God is trusting you with what you can handle at this stage in life because He loves you, then you're not going to measure your self-worth by your net worth. Right? That doesn't... That doesn't say that you're, you're, you're a worse person or you're bad or you're not. You're being faithful with what he's given you now. And as you get wiser and you get stronger and you become more faithful, guess what? The Bible's very clear. Faithful in the little will be faithful in more. Amen? Be faithful in little, be faithful in more. And that's why FPU and Financial Peace University, they say you can live like no one else now So one day you'll be able to live like no one else later. Because this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And we need to understand that. That to be content, to be grateful. Because we can trust how God allocates His resources, how He sees fit. Because it's not yours anyway. To thankful God. I thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm blessed. God, I thank you. Yeah, does my flesh want more? Yeah. Maybe, God, you have put it inside my heart to get more. But no matter what, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be content. I'm going to be faithful with what you have. And the next insight, number three, if I believe it's God's money, I will be obedient to how he expects me to use his resources. In Matthew 25, the master goes off on this journey. And he is, has the right to entrust his servants with the resources that he has. And he thinks that it, what he's done is wise. And he also directs them how their money is to be used. And apparently he does that. And we'll unpack this next week. Because he comes back and we see he rewards those who are obedient. And judges the ones who aren't. And so now here's the principle I want you to understand here. Even when the true owner is, out, is absent. We are accountable for his expectations. You are accountable for what you have. And you will give an account to how you use your money, use your giftings, use your possessions. You're going to give account for those things. 
And we're going to see that a little bit more next week because it all belongs to God. He entrusted you. So the critical question we need to be asking the Lord, it's very simple. How does the Master want me to use His resources? How does the Master want His money to be managed? That's the question we should ask. Not how should I spend it. But how should, he, how should I use it? How does He want me to use this? Because it's His money. It's not mine. It belongs to Him. And I need to be obedient to Him. That's why we have the Bible. That's why we read the Bible every day, hopefully, right? And, and we hear the Bible taught on Sundays or in our small groups. Because that's where we learn how to operate in this life. How to live as a son and daughter of the King. And because it's not your money. It's not your possessions. It is God. So how do you, God, want me to manage what you've given me? So we learn and we see that God teaches us that the borrower is a slave to the lender. And he warns us not to pile up enslaving debt with his money. So we're accountable to avoid getting into debt when it enslaves us because it's his money. Last week we talked about how God warned us about, about the future, saving some, when we, when we make some, save some, because we're saving for the future. So we're saving some for the future, because why? It is His money. It's His money. So we're going to be obedient. If we're not obedient, we're going to suffer the consequences of not being obedient. I remember one time, Lisa and I, a long, long time ago, somebody came up to us and gave us $500. A lot of money, because that was more than I made a week at that time. And... Um, lot of money, $500. And so I'm thinking, woohoo, let's go out to eat, let's spend it, let's live it, you know, And because we weren't able to do that before. And, and the guy didn't tell us ah, whatever you want. I said, God just told me to give it to you. But I didn't ask the question, Master, how do you want me to spend this? I asked me, how do I want to spend this? In fact, I don't think I asked Lisa how to spend it. I just wanted to spend it. Two weeks later, my car broke down. Guess what I do? I go to God. God, help me. I need some money. I need you to provide. Guess what God said to me? I already did. I already provided for you, but you spent it. That's good stuff right there, right? How many's ever done that before? Raise your hand. Amen? So we, we, we ask the Lord, how do you want me to spend money? The Bible tells us to keep track of our resources. Uh, the Bible says, know well the condition of your flocks and herds. You need to live on a budget. Budget your spending by what he says for you to do. In 1 Timothy 6, you know what it tells us to do? To also spend God's money. To enjoy it. God wants us to enjoy some as we are faithful in listening to him. Faithful in doing what he calls us to do. To save, to give, and to do those things to budget. But the most challenging part of what God tells us to do is give. You know if you be really believe it's all God's by how you feel when you're asked to give. When you see it in His Word or we take up an offering, if defenses sh sh shoot up, offenses shoot up, then you know what? You need to repent. We need to repent. There's no something. You know what repenting means? Stop it. Right? Turn around. Think differently. 
Or you're just trying to get my money. It's not your money anyway. It's not my money. It's God's. And the real test of how you think is money or God's is if you, if when you're asked to give, do you have that defensive mechanism come up? Because God does ask you in the Word of God to give generously, to give proportionately, and to give consistently. He tells us to give. And that brings me to my last point, number four, what it says here. We'll unpack more of this later. Is bad managers can't give. Bad managers can't give. A bad manager, manager thinks it's their money. And so they don't value God's money. They, don't, they squander it. And in fact, the Bible says they steal it. When God tells you to give and you don't and you keep it for yourself, the Bible says you are stealing God's money. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good. Turn to your other neighbor and say, that's really good. See, if we're faithful managing God's money, whatever he tells us to do is going to be there for us. Whether we save, if we need it, we're going to get it. We're going to be able to use it. You save some so you can use it when you need it. When he tells you to give, it's going to be there. Because you're not, you're, not, you're, you're not living beyond your means and you have money to give. And that's what he's called us to do. That to give and to, and to manage his money correctly. And that's what's happening a lot of times. We have this wrong view of money that's not ours. And we get defensive. Because we start being in control. And we got to get out of that. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to handle it correctly. His way is far better than our own. Amen? So He wants us to be grateful. He wants us to be content. He wants us to be obedient. And He wants us to be generous managers of His money. Amen? I believe God wants to change that in you. Maybe there's some issues in your life. Maybe you, you're, you're not a budgeter, but you need a budget. You say, well, Sean, I, I, and you may be one that has so much money, you don't need a budget. It's not your money, right? If you have so much money, you think I can, trust me, most people who have a lot of money are budgeters. But if you have so much money, you don't think you have to budget? No, because you've got to be faithful. You've got to be a faithful steward. Say, Sean, I don't have enough money to budget. Well, budget what you have and be grateful for it and be content and be obedient and be a good steward of your finances. Ask the Lord, how do you want me to handle your money? Amen? Amen. So This is what I want you to do this week. I have some questions that you can ask yourself, digging deeper questions that are on our notes. But I want you to go home. And I want you to ask the Lord, how do you want me to handle the resources that you've given me? Be faithful. And listen, let me tell you something. If you, if you seem to be hitting a wall in the area of your finances, it may be because of this. Okay? There may be some other things. Maybe you've got to pray through. Maybe you've got to believe. And, but you definitely have to listen to the Lord. Ask the Lord, no matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have, ask the Lord. How do you want me to handle your money? And write it down. Find it in the Bible. And do it. 
Maybe you're not good at budgeting. Maybe you're not good at saving. Maybe you spend too much. I don't know. But write it down and ask the Lord. And ask the Lord, how can I give? Because it's, it's all about giving. This is, money is all about seed, time, and harvest. Ask the Lord, where can I give? You've heard me tell this all, all the time. When Lisa and I have our income is low for some reason, that it seems like money's been taken out. How many guys, there's sometimes in your life you feel like money's going out and, not, and it's not coming in as much, you know? And, uh, and so we'll pray. We'll ask the Lord, okay, where do we need to give? What do we need to do? And we always give during those times because we know that he's in control. And I want to listen to him and the money. And sometimes we ask the Lord, Lord, did we spend wrong? And we repent of that and stop that spending because he is in control of this. Listen, your life will be better when you start asking those questions to God because he's the owner, you are the steward, you're the manager. Amen? And watch God do something. So go home today and do that. Bow your heads close.